Welcome to the ministry of Mercy Seek Ministries and Evangelist Pat and Karen Jackson. We believe that the message you are about to hear will mightily change your life. Open your heart, mind, and spirit and allow the Holy Spirit to move in you. We must declare it to the next generation. Open your Bibles this morning, if you would, to Matthew the ninth chapter. Matthew chapter 9. Richard, you feeling better? You feeling better? I was worried about you last week. Hey, there, there's so many people in here that um, that God has been doing miracles in their life. Now, many of you know that I have been preaching, uh, started a series last week called The Anatomy. I'm going to be honest with you. I knew nothing about lost people. Now, what you've got to realize is the first time anyone is called lost in the Word of God, Jesus called them that. Are you with me? So that's not a bad term. But as we move into God's Word this morning, at the end of this service, we're going to honor somebody that's going to be leaving us, going on staff at a church. And where's Scott Johnson at? Scott, if you'll just come up here at the very end, okay? Because, son, you are a son. And I love you, and we want to bless you. We want to take care of you. Folks, we'll also be taking uh, our missions offering at the end of service. In fact, the ushers will be at the back door. Please remember to do that. We support about, uh, I don't know, about eight or nine or ten missionaries a month, and most of them take care of children. Uh, about seven or eight hundred dollars. That's pretty incredible for a brand new little church that's, that's only been going a year and a half, isn't it? Come on. We believe in missions here. Last year, I think we gave like $30,000 in missions, which is unbelievable for a new church. Now, you're going to be able to hear something this morning. There is a bird's nest up there going crazy. You hear it? Now, how many of you have I put that in your brain? In the whole service, you're going to be like, dude, I hear the birds. You're going crazy. That's right. Open your Bibles to, to, to Matthew chapter 9. Please don't forget about tonight. Karen and I will be joining you. If you are not a part of the Summit Church, we're going to have food. We're going to have fellowship uh, at the Summit offices over off uh, Highway 11 at Van Road. You'll see the, uh, it's a bunch of law offices. Massey Stolzer's right there. You go down that road. And we would love for anyone that would like to join. And <laughs> those birds are going to drive me crazy. And uh, I got ADD. Stop. I don't know if I got that or not. They haven't got me to sit down long enough to take the test. And um, (laughs) those birds are going to drive me crazy. Think. Focus. Tonight, DNA class. Please be there. We would love for you to be there and, uh, and, and join up and be a part of this. Let's get into God's Word. We may have to turn music on to cover the birds. All right. In fact, if you have those cards you just filled out, I want you to pass those to your left. The ushers, servant leaders are going to come down and get those. If you filled out those cards, put those names on there. If you have, um, you say, you know what, Pastor, I don't know anybody that's lost. That's why I'm preaching this series. That's why we're going after this. Matthew, the ninth chapter. I love what one of our leaders, Aaron McGill, said to me in the office this last week. And folks, we're getting ready to do some pretty amazing things here. In fact, many of you remember Pastor Daniel was here last week from Singapore. We're going to be taking a trip to Singapore the first week of June. If you would like to go, we're going to speak. He's asked Nate, my son, to preach, uh, which is crazy. And Michael, uh, these guys are going to be raising money to go to Singapore to preach to hundreds and hundreds of students there. If you'd like to go, just uh, get in touch with Jan uh, at the uh, the summit offices. Her, her email is jan at thesummitbham.com. She's my assistant, and she'll help you and uh, we would love for you to go with us it's going to be an incredible time we got big stuff going on senior adults gathering is going to be taking place pretty soon the uh, working on the building if you worked on the building last week if you joined us on those couple days that we tore everything out raise your hand would you give those folks a hand right now i mean they worked so hard 
I was sneezing sheetrock dust for about two days there. It was crazy, but we had a, an incredible time. Update on the building. We may be in by April 20th. We're praying for that to happen. But if not, it will be the following week, and you will no longer sit in metal chairs. Isn't that exciting? That will be incredible. And so please remember your envelopes. And uh, we're still, I think we're about 6,000 short on that. And so, but God's doing it. It's coming in. And people even even got an email from Singapore saying, hey, we're going to send an offering uh, to help the Summit Church. It's pretty amazing what God is doing. All of these things are taking place. Summer camps, all the fun things, baby dedications coming up, friend day, all of that kind of stuff. But uh, I want to get right into his word. I'm preaching a message simply titled The Anatomy of Lostness. Part 2. And the reason why I'm doing that is because I think that we have forgotten as a church what it means to be lost. I was going to tell you a moment ago, Aaron McGill, who is a part of our our leadership team, uh, helps with the Forerunner School. He said this to me a couple days ago. He wrote this in his journal and he said, I need to tell you this quote, Pastor. And I said, what is it? He said, the church is having a hard time saving the lost because it's too busy keeping the saved from being lost. I'm going to say that again. It's an incredible quote. After I use it a few times, it'll be mine. You know, the first time you say it, uh, you know, so-and-so said it. Second time, a great man once said. Third time, like I always say. (laughs) The church is having a hard time saving the lost because it's too busy keeping the saved from being lost. How many times have I heard, and please don't get offended by my language. Again, we're knocking over some sacred cows and and, and all that. But I, I have actually had people look at me and say, you know what, church just sucks. Church just stinks. And it used to, it would take me aback and I'd want to get in that defensive mode. Whoa, 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 don't you talk about church. And again, I hate that because I think so many times we, we categorize church as this thing, but the church is a living organism. It means called out ones. Don't anybody ever get up here and grab a microphone and slam the church. Now you can slam some of the stuff you've been through. But I've heard people say stuff like that. Well, you offended me bits by saying what you said. I hope I didn't. Because you're going to get really offended when you go out and try to win some souls. I've sat on planes with people and they go, you know what, I'm done with church. 25% of America does not go to even have any part of any religious gathering. What do you mean? Well, agnosticism, which means it, it is defined as, I know there's a higher power out there, but we don't believe that he has any control over our life. and that It's grown over 700%. Christianity has gone down 4% in the last year. Why? Why is it that the Muslims are growing? Which is a absolutely, and you, you know what, and if this offends somebody, it's okay, get in line. Um, demonic religion. Mormonism. All of the things that are being offered out there. Because I'm going to show you in just a few moments the spirit of the Antichrist is, is in our world. How many of you know the devil does not know when Jesus is coming back? Right? So what does that mean? That means every generation he's got to create a new Antichrist. Just in case. Now think, ponder that for a few moments. Somebody else said that to me, and I thought, wow, that's so good. Now, now let, me, let me get into this, because some of you are already on guard because I said the term that someone had said to me. I hope not. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. It says this. This is our theme scripture for the entire uh, series, and I believe next week I'm going to be preaching on hell. Is hell real? Why is it that the former pope said that it's just a state of mind? I'm going to prove to you in God's word that hell is a real place, and then we're going to wrap this series up by preaching on heaven and talking about the place that we're headed to. Anybody excited about heaven? Folks, I'm ready to get out of here. After North Carolina lost last night, I'm just ready to go to heaven.
I'm done. Watch this. This is what it says. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed. Everybody say harassed. The word harassed there literally means enfeebled through exhaustion. You ever met anybody tired? Folks, we live in the most tired generations ever lived. Pastor Sean just raised his hand back there just a moment ago. Then he goes on to say, he said, harassed and helpless. Stop right there. The word helpless in the Greek, if you were to study it, it means thrown away, cast down, given up on. He says, literally, I went out preaching to the ones that were enfeebled by exhaustion and those that were harassed and thrown away. Like sheep without a shepherd. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, let your word come forth this morning. Lord, let lives be changed. Let a burden overwhelm this room. Lord, we praise you. Amen. Amen. Have we passed those cards all the way down? Everybody already done that? Somebody give me a nod if I already told you to do that. Okay, good. The birds were messing me up there for a second. You know, in 2025, there will be more than 2 billion people who have never heard the gospel in this world. In 2200, world population will at that point exceed 10 billion. Now, contrary to what Ted Turner said, who is a psycho, we will not be eating each other. All right? But watch... And unless the church multiplies faster than today, the unreached will number 1.7 billion. More people will have the gospel, but 16% will still be in complete darkness. What do you mean? At the present rate of growth, it will, st- it will be 2500 A.D. before the Great Commission is completed. What's the Great Commission? Jesus said, go into all the world, preach the gospel. And it says, he's coming back. And we know that everyone needs to have heard the name of Jesus. Am I right? Now, the good thing about satellite and TV, things are changed. It's very easy to get the name of Jesus out. The problem is what Daniel uh, Chua said last week when he made this statement. He said, we have learned how to use God's name in the wrong way. Because of Hollywood. Because of America. Because of some lady getting up and saying, as she holds up her little statuette, saying, this is my God. And she said something so demonic. Uh, an anti-Christ about my Jesus that my heart just ached and I wept when I watched that. Watch. Jesus made three promises. He said, I will build my church, I will pour my spirit out, and I will come again. Those are the three promises that we live in. We know that. He's going to pour His Spirit out. We experienced just a taste, that foretaste, this morning during worship when we felt the presence of God hit this place and touch us. It was an incredible time. But before I get into this Word, because understand something, I've got three questions for you that I probably should have asked last Sunday before I started. And by the way, if you have not listened to last Sunday's message, please go on to the podcast at thesummitbham.com. Download it. Listen to it. Because I want you to stay in the loop on this. But there's three questions I have to ask before we begin part two of this series what are they number one do we really want the lost that's the first question you know i've been in ministry for over 20 years and i and i have learned that 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 so many times we try to clean the fish before we catch them they don't look like us I know that there's people that want to break their habits and we don't want them to come in here looking uh, nasty and dirty. One of, the, one of the men that has really been a major influence in my life, his name is Tommy Barnett. Tommy Barnett showed up one Sunday morning at uh, Phoenix First Assembly of God out in Phoenix where he pastors. Tommy shows up and he dressed like a homeless man. He stood out front, and there's a lot of homeless people in Phoenix. Stood out front, went through the trash, walked around the front of the sanctuary, 
came down and sat down where the pastor sits in the front row and an usher asked him to move. That's why we don't have the God chairs on our stage. You know the God chairs where the pastors... Because I don't want to stare at y'all while I'm worshiping. I may get sleepy and get really embarrassed. And that has happened to me before. Falling asleep on the platform. <laughs> wow. But all of a sudden they asked, they asked him to move until it was time. And one of the, the executive pastors got up and said, Would you welcome to our stage our senior pastor, Pastor Tommy Barnett. He gets up, smelly, dirty, deliberately didn't shower for days. Walked up on stage and said, I'm so, so ashamed of my church. No one loved me today. And I thought we were be above that. No one reached out to me. What are you talking about? Do we really want the lost? Now listen, I believe that someone has to come in, and yes, they got to change. Yes, we got to help them get through this stuff. We, but without using all the words of sanctifying and, and, and setting them apart and all that kind of stuff, I do believe that people need to change because the Bible says, look at this, 2 Corinthians 6, verse 17 through 18, on into 7, verse 1 of 2 Corinthians, it says, Therefore come out from, from them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing, and I will receive you. I'll be your father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Number two, three questions before we even get into the meat of this word this morning is number number two is are you willing to walk in holiness? You see, God is not going to stick healthy babies in a sick incubator. What do you mean? Why are churches not growing in America? It's not because they don't have good programs. And some are growing for the wrong reasons. Folks, can I tell you, we must get back to preaching holiness again and being different. What do you mean, Pastor? Watch. I used this quote last week, but I'm going to use it again. Martin Luther said this. He said, God creates out of nothing. Therefore, until a man is nothing, God can make nothing out of him. I love that right there. I love William Booth. The greatest quote ever. The greatness of man's strength is determined by his measure of his surrender. His ability to say, I'm done. It's yours. I'm, 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 I'm dropping out of this thing, God. Watch. Remember when Joshua was about to cross over into the promised land? He had taken the reins from Moses. They were going to fight the 40 enemy cities. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amalekites, the Bud Lights, the Millerites, everyite. Just make sure you're awake. And this is what it says in Joshua 3.5. Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourself, separate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. But before Joshua and the children of Israel were about to take the cities of the promised land, before they were about to cross over, it is an incredible journey if you look at it because it is the process of a person getting free. He said, Sanctify yourself, man. Cleanse yourself. Cross over to the next level. They crossed over the Jordan. The Bible says they stopped and built an altar. And then he said, now we're going to circumcise you. Every man that's not been circumcised, if you know the story of Moses, Moses, because he had an issue with his wife, would not circumcise the men. He was breaking the law. What is circumcision? The cutting away of flesh that stops reproduction. The Bible says he circumcised all the men. We don't even need to go there because that's just something we don't talk about. Amen, gentlemen. But then it, goes, then it goes on to say, get ready to do war. And they went to Jericho. But what happened right before that? Remember what happened? Over in Joshua chapter 5 verse 13. Joshua goes for a walk. They've done all the things right. He sees a man with a sword. Joshua walks up to this centurion, centurion soldier and he says, are you with us or are you against us? And the man says, neither. Take off your shoes. You're on holy ground. Folks, can I tell you, before we take back the city, before we build the altar, before we cross over, we've got to consecrate ourselves. We've got to cleanse ourselves. We've got to change who we are. What do you mean? 
Number three, the question I got to ask you before I preach this word to you this morning is are you even excited about being a believer? Come on, man. We're supposed to be different. Where are you going today? I'm going to church. What are you going to do? I don't know. <laughs> we, I hope he's not here. We actually had a friend come over a couple days ago that lives next door to us. And, and he's precious, precious fella. And he says, he said, I'm going to come visit you all at the summit, Pastor. I said, okay. He come over to tell me that the wind had blown my fence over. So while I'm talking to him, I'm backsliding. And it's a long story. And so all of a sudden, he says, you know, I'm going to come one Sunday. And I said, man, I'd love for you to come to the summit. That'd be awesome. He said, because my church, we all, what did he say, Karen? He said, he said, I fall asleep every Sunday. How many of you know, I'm not letting you fall asleep. I'll even install a bird's nest. <laughs> You're not going to sleep here. Now, now watch. But are you excited about your faith? What does it say in Romans 1 verse 14 through 17? I am obligated both to the Greeks and the non-Greeks, both to the wise and the foolish. That is why I am so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are at Rome. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because of the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. I love that part. I'm not ashamed. For it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. First for the Jews, then for the Gentiles. For in the gospel a righteousness from God is revealed. A righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Literally, if you study that term, it means to use Him as a crutch. There are days when I use God as a crutch. Are you with me? So let's get started. Do you remember what it was like to not be a believer? Now the problem in is in, in Alabama, and I've done this at youth conferences all over America, most people do not even remember the day they got saved. So you know what we do? We get everybody saved and give them a date to write in their Bible. I do that at youth conferences. I say, because most of y'all don't even know, and you need to have a date to lean down, on and point back to. Oh, I was about five or six. I was 15. Can I tell you that when God really rocks you, you'll remember that date. You really will. I've had Sunday school teachers walk up to me at conferences or at churches across America and say, you know what, I, I don't know and I need to know the date that I gave my heart to Christ. So remember I taught on the loss last week. This is, this is the, uh, the anatomy of lostness part two. So let's go into that real quick. Number one, remember what I taught you? Nobody gets lost on purpose. Remember we talked about Luke chapter uh, 15. It's the lost chapter in the Bible. Remember that? Let's, let's read that. Verse 1 through 3. And I didn't read this last week and I should have. Now the tax collectors, and I didn't even really get into, even notice this until I was doing my study again this week. And it says, now the tax collectors and the sinners were all gathering around to hear him. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered. Don't you hate mutters? I hate muttering. You ever met that? Per- I had a, a teacher in high school that muttered. What? What are you saying? It was like the other teacher I had that was cross-eyed. I never knew if he was looking at me. And one day I dealt with a mutter and a, cro- uh, a mutter, a mutter and a cross-eyeder. Huh? Are you looking at me? That's that makes for a bad day in ninth grade. All right. This man. This- and I think every Disney Channel teacher is a mutterer. It's a funny thing. Anyway, it's the teacher on Charlie Brown. Wah, 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 wah. That's all I heard growing up. Watch. Here we go. This man welcomes sinners and he eats with them. Ah! Stop! 
We're not supposed to eat with them, oh heathens. This man welcomes sinners and he eats with them. Jesus told him, then he goes on to tell them the parables. What were the parables? The lost sheep in verse 3 through 7. Why did the sheep get lost? I taught that last week. It got preoccupied. Nobody gets lost on purpose. It just wandered off. It started eating and started eating in the wrong fields. How many people are just preoccupied today in Birmingham? Or in Nashville? Or in Huntsville? Or in Mobile? Or in Jackson, Mississippi? Or Atlanta? Just busy. How many people have told me, Hey, i got to get back into church. Man, i got to get back in there. I want to. I just got busy. See, if the enemy can't make you sin, he'll just get you to get busy. Well, what do you mean? Then we, then we know the story about the lost coin. I love what my dad said to me on the phone this morning. He said, we were talking about the lost coin. And he said, you know, son, he said the problem with it, because remember what happened to the lost coin? The lost coin represents most lost people. Somebody mistreated it. Somebody didn't care, take care of it. Somebody didn't look after it. Somebody mishandled it. But I love what happens because the Bible says she called all of her neighbors in that, in that scripture there in Luke chapter 15 and she said, come help me sweep the house. The problem in the church is we don't sweep anymore. That's free. My dad gave it to you. It's free. Write him a check. Send it to him. Okay, watch. And then number three, we talked about the prodigal son. Who's the prodigal son? Well, we know the story of the prodigal son. What was the problem with the prodigal son? Did he wander off? No. Did he get mishandled? No. He made choices that determined his destiny. And he made choices that caused... And he made these mistakes along the way that it forced him to end up in a pig pen. So his choices caused him to be lost. And felt like nobody. He miscalculated the outcome of his behavior. That's the lost people in America. What do you mean? I think sometimes we think they're just rebellious. Or they're just anti-God. No, folks... You know what? If God walked in here right now and you could fill this room up with a bunch of lost people, I guarantee you they would fall down. The Bible says in, in Romans that they will fall down and cry holy because the lost will recognize who He is. How many of you know it is time to give them a place to come in and recognize who He is? Not who you are, but who He is. Give God a praise offering. Amen? And we've, we've, we've not listened. We've disconnected from the lost. And I told you last week I was going to turn over some sacred cows. I told you that. We're going to probably turn over some sacred cows because it's probably going to make you mad. It's probably going to offend you. Some things I've got to say. You like that? We were supposed to do that last week. Thought we'd throw it in this week. We've got to disarm the lost. We've got to let them know we're real. What we have found is if we're willing to serve and help them or help their family or help their kids or get their kids through something or get their marriage through something or walk them through something, they're going to be okay. But they're saying to us, are you really there for me? Folks, we are on a search and rescue mission. That's who we are. Good friend of mine, pastor's in Miami. His name's Rich Wilkerson. Rich called me one day and he said, I said, Rich, what you doing today? He said, oh, Pat. He said, man, I've been down at the shore. I said, why? He said, 200 Haitians were trying to sneak into America and, and they're stuck in the water and I'm out there and they're afraid to step on shore because if they step on shore, or they're trying to step on shore and they're running from the authorities in the water, the helicopters everywhere. He said, I just want to be there just to put my arms around them. Now, we're not going to go into the immigration thing. I believe in the law. But I love... What my friend told me, he said, I got in the car, he said, I saw it on CNN, I'm down here waiting to help somebody. 
Somebody that's hurting. What do you mean, Pat? Listen. People that are lonely and are broken and are filling our psychiatric wards all over the world do not need anyone to walk up to them and tell them you've got major problems. They know it. They need somebody to walk up and say, let me point you to some help. Let me point you to a Savior that will wrap His arms around you. No matter what you've been through, if you believe that, would you give God a praise offering? Amen? Folks, we've got to, we've got to explain the world to the world. Remember, remember uh, Daniel and Nebuchadnezzar? Remember Joseph and Pharaoh? Those boys told them, went and foretold their dreams. What do you mean? In other words, we see the world coming to the church right there. For the church to explain the world to themselves. We've got to be, be ready to explain to them. If, but if we don't have a prayer life, I've met a lot of soul winners that don't pray. And all they're doing is going off their head or some EE class. Listen, I believe we have to explain to the world to them. That is our calling. That is the role of the church in this generation. We are here to help them understand how to get to their dreams and aspirations. And 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 folks, they just don't know how to get there. And understand what I'm talking about. We do know how to get there because we have found the way. I have found a Savior that took me regardless of what I had done in secret or in private or in public. It didn't matter. He loved me regardless. Are you, are you awake this morning? It's only after you've been found that you understand how lost you are. Anybody in here have been lost? Raise your hand. See, only those who have been found can truly explain what it means to be lost. And you can't explain how to be found if you're still lost. Jesus said it in Luke chapter 6, verse 39. He said, he also told this parable, can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? Welcome to America. What do you mean? If you've been lost... And now you're found. You're able to help somebody. Because something has happened inside of you. Jesus said in John 15 verse 12, This is my command that you love one another just as I have loved you. Listen, we don't understand that our behavior was... We, we didn't understand that our behavior was taking us so far away from God. But then because we found Him, something changed. I love, I love watching Jesus' life. What do you mean? Folks, you need to realize we can guide those that are lost away from being rendered useless. Luke chapter 19 talks about the story of Zacchaeus. I, I absolutely love the story of Zacchaeus. What we love about Zacchaeus is he was a wee little man. And a wee little man was he. He climbed aboard that sycamore tree to see if he could see. Remember that? <laughs> I don't know why we think he's little. It really doesn't say that in the Bible. It just says he climbed up on a tree. But at the same time, what I love about Zacchaeus is Zacchaeus was a tax collector. We still have a disdain for the tax collector. Okay? But the Bible says that Jesus goes up to him, walks up to him. He's trying to see Jesus, and the whole time Jesus is at his feet. And Jesus said, hey, Zacchaeus, come down from here. Zacchaeus was a thief. Zacchaeus was the mafia. And Zacchaeus would go around and keep part of the taxes. And all of a sudden, the Bible says that Jesus walks up to him. And that's what it says in verse 8 through 10. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor. And I have cheated. If I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times that amount. Boy. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was Lost. The word lost there in the Greek is apolumi. Apolumi means rendered useless or to declare that one must be put to death. That's what that word meant. To put somebody to death. 
Folks, if we'll have this type of thinking that we go and help somebody instead of just slinging theology at everybody and slinging religious words at everybody and, brother, have you been sanctified lately? Brother, I have an apostolic anointing on my life to change you. And re- revival's coming back to the charismatic Pentecostal church and, and, and I want to sit down and we're going to sit together and we're going to break this word down and, and we're, we're going to, we're going to use hermeneutics and, and, and we're, and, and they're going, huh? I need a fix. My wife just left me. What? Here's what you got to get across, or what I got to get across to you. Nobody gets lost on purpose. That's the first thing we have to understand. Look at 2 Corinthians 4, verse 3. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The word perishing there is the same word lost. Jesus came out of sick, said, I came to seek and save that which was lost, lost, rendered useless. Put to death. And even if our gospel is veiled and is veiled to those who are perishing, the, this, the God, little g, of this age has blinded the minds of the unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Jesus Christ, who is the image of God. For we do not preach ourselves. No. But Jesus Christ is Lord and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Number two, write this down. To be called lost is to be considered valuable. Remember, listen, listen, look at me. To be called lost is to be considered valuable. All right, look. I've got a tic-tac in my pocket. Tic-tac, that's for your protection. Yeah. But if I throw it somewhere... It really wasn't valuable to me, so I can't. I don't walk up to Karen going, "Oh dear God, I lost my tic tac." I'm not moving from here till you find it, Karen. Now I do that about my shoes, or my keys, or my glasses. In fact, Rodney bought me a thing for my glasses because he came over the house twice, and both times I lost my glasses. I love the time we got on the plane, and I had left two pairs of glasses in the plane seat over the last few weeks and all of a sudden I'm sitting there with Karen we're going to speak somewhere we're heading into Chicago O'Hare and I'm sitting there and I looked at her and to be cocky which is very rare for me to be much like Dave Knight very very humble and, and so all of a sudden I reached up and, and, I, and I put my glasses in the front seat and I look at Karen and she goes okay that's fine and I said huh I'll not forget them we get off the plane we're racing to our gate and all of a sudden I went oh man I left my glasses in the pocket again and they were gone that plane was headed to nowhere land by the time I got to the gate the lady looked at me and she said well you can call Delta and they'll look for him I went yeah maybe they'll send me a box of 3,000 glasses I can go through but I lost them. So okay, oh, wait, you're not getting this. Hold on. God came up with a statement: "Lost. Anything called lost must be considered of value." Folks, when I take the trash out tonight, or when Nate takes it out, and we carry the trash down the street, I don't cry when we take the trash out. I'm gonna miss you. I love you. I don't stand on the edge of the corner when the garbage man comes on Monday morning at about 7.30 and go, 
Just do it. Just get it out of here. I can't, I can't, I can't. But now listen, because it's just garbage. But if there's a diamond ring in the bottom of that garbage can, you bet your lights I'm going to cry. You bet your lights I'm going to run around and go, get, get, get off my trash. Listen. God calls all unsaved people lost. How many of you know He owns everything? So if He calls unsaved people lost, then they must be of value to Him. So we have to establish that in this Luke chapter 15, three stories of the sheep and the coin and the, and the prodigal, that they were valuable to Him. What do you mean, Pastor? God looks at the garbage and says, you may see garbage that needs to be taken out, but when I look at the garbage, I see someone that is valuable. Somebody, there's a diamond down inside of there. I can go get them and rescue them. You may not get, you may not weep when they get carried off. It may not bother you when you pass a, a funeral and wonder if that person person's in heaven or not. He said, but when, when I see them carried off by the garbage of the world, I know there's a diamond in there. Every lost person is important to Him. I don't care if it's the crazy guy we saw on the street yesterday going to a birthday party over off uh, 31 and I-65. Crazy man running down the street. He is valuable to the King. Somebody give God a praise offering. But sadly, most people do not realize their value. What do you mean? I got a hundred dollar bill here. That's right. Now I have it from good sources. That this hundred dollar bill has been used in drug deals. Do you know the number one substance found on a hundred dollar bill? Cocaine. People use it as a straw. That's right. Now I have it from good sources that this was used at a strip club. I have it from good sources that maybe this was used in a bank heist. Maybe, just maybe, this was used at a gambler's table. Maybe this was used to buy a pint that completed destroying a man's liver. I've got it from good source. Now this is a filthy, dirty, old $100 bill. It's nasty. In fact, this thing's been around. Anybody want it? That's not a forerunner that knew I was going to do this. <laughs> That's not any of Nate's friends. Hold on, hold on. No, 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 Josh. Hold on. <laughs> Anybody want this? It's a hundred dollar bill. No, no, wait a minute. This thing is filthy. This thing has been used in heist. This thing has been used to destroy marriages. Somebody's had this in their nostrils. Sucking cocaine and destroying the membranes of their mind. Why would you want this? It's filthy. It's dirty. Come here, Michael. Last night at my house, we were saying guessing game, and we were talking about you because you're, and and they said Michael to me, and I said a son, right? I mean, you don't come from the the best, but you're valuable. Why did you want this? Even though it's been through all this stuff, why did you want this? Answer the question. I needed to buy clothes. 
But see, you better write a thank you note. Wait a minute, church. Why were all you raising your hands? Because the reason you want the dirty money is because its value is not determined by what it's been through. It's determined by the Federal Reserve and the U.S. government that backs that note and says that note's worth $100. And what you have to understand, no matter what it's been used for, you're not getting this just yet. Are, are you willing to, you're willing to take it because its value is determined by what it has been, not by what it has been through, but by who says it's worth something. Are you getting this so far? It's been through a lot of stuff. It's dirty, it's nasty, it's old, it's been in and out of wallets and pockets and, and washing machines. It's been thrown on the ground, it's been used to buy all those things, but maybe what you don't get to understand, and maybe what I've got to get across to you, it's not what somebody's been through or the mistakes they've made it's that there's a father behind them saying I created that I knitted it together I made that I'm going to use that there's still value because I am the federal reserve behind it I back it give God a praise offering amen we got to see past the garbage and see the diamond we don't value people by their mistakes we value them by their lives just because something is dominated in their life does not make that their master just because they've got a habit in their life does not mean it can control them it is not their master we must convince people they are not ruled by their habit or their mistakes the bible is a book of cast-offs it's a book of nobodies it's a book of mistake makers and yet and yet you know who god uses we said this last night in our house when we were having a talk with our son god uses the rags in his hands to clean up the messes the oops and the accidents, the nobodies. That's who he's raising up. I don't care who your daddy is. I don't care how big of uh, your, your, your father did this or your mother did this for the kingdom. God is raising up the nobodies. Give him one more praise. Amen. And God will always take the worst, the most broken, because he puts greatness inside of them. I have this treasure. This all-surpassing power. 2 Corinthians 4, I believe it is. That he's put inside of this broken box. Oh, listen. World, the world always values the wrong things. What does it say in Luke chapter 16, verse 15? Jesus said this. It's in the red. He said it. He said to them, You're the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of men, but God knows your hearts. What is highly valued among men is detestable in God's sight. Stop! We're going to read it again. All the pomp and the circumstance and all the garbage that we do. In religiondom, in Christendom, God says you missed it. What is highly valued above men is detestable in God's sight. God does not care how pretty your hat is on Easter or Sunday morning. Cow time, hang on. Number three, I'm almost done. Well, really, I'm not, but hold on. Do you know that when you're lost, it's difficult to ask a stranger for directions? You know what I'm talking about? How many of you ever stopped and asked somebody for directions? You know you get a preconceived idea who you're looking for when you do that, right? I ain't going to ask him. He looks like an alcoholic. Look at the way his mouth is drawn. I ain't going to ask her because she looks pretty lost. I do this after I break my pride down to ask someone. Now, Karen bought me the greatest gift a wife could give a man. It's called the Garmin. Are you with me so far? Hold on. Thanks, Josh. Where to? I think, uh, let's see. No, let's go back. Recently found. 
We had to go to a birthday party yesterday. I love this. This is awesome. Because it says, hiding. And then this one actually speaks. Please drive to highlighted route. No. I refuse to. I love to argue with this thing, but it keeps on. And yesterday we were riding down the freeway and I knew where I was going, but it wouldn't shut up. So I reached up and went, Good night. <laughs> anyway, now watch. Here's what you don't understand. <laughs> Why did I do that? What? Here we go. When you're lost, it's difficult to ask a stranger for directions. We've all been lost. You start looking for somebody to ask. Not him. No, he's too preoccupied. No, no, they look like a carjacker. We better not ask them. He looks scary. Then you ask that perfect person, and what do they say? I don't live here. And you're always looking for that perfect person who to ask, who you have in your mind, who you want to ask for help. And lost people would rather ask someone who lives far away. Because see, we feel most secure to ask someone we know. We'd rather ask a friend than a stranger. In the spiritual, it's the same. What do you mean, Pastor? The lost is very difficult to ask a stranger. The church is a stranger. We seem lost ourselves. Most people don't know any real Christians. They won't ask us. They don't, they don't understand us. Folks, I said it last week. I don't want a facility. I want a field. What do you mean? They would rather watch a TV personality. They'd rather check an astrology than get direction from us. They'd rather call some cult, some median. Princess Diana visited clairvoyance. What are clairvoyance? They foretell the future. Just before she died, she was visiting a clairvoyant. Because they're looking for somebody to give them direction. Let me get, let me show you real quick who's giving direction today. Right now. You ready? Watch this video. This is who giving direction. Her church has grown by to 700,000. Generosity brings her, if it brings her to the same point that it brings you, it doesn't matter whether she called it God along the way or not. And I guess the danger that could be on that, I mean, it, it sounds great on the onset, but if you really look at both sides, I there could possibly be just one way. What, what about Jesus? What about Jesus? And you say there isn't only one way. There is one way and only one way, and there that is through Jesus. Jesus. There couldn't possibly be with because a million you of people say in the there world. isn't. There couldn't possibly be because you say you intellectualize it and say there isn't. If no. you don't believe that, you're all buying into the lie. But that makes you right. Do you think? Do you think that if you she said she would go on to say, Oprah would? There's millions of way to heaven, not Jesus. That's what the world's turning to, folks. 1 John 4, 1. You need to get this scripture and underline it in your Bible. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they're from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit, listen, that acknowledges that Jesus... This is the foundation of what we believe. That Jesus Christ has come in the flesh and is from God... Then it is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This spirit is the spirit of the Antichrist. You know what I looked it up? The word Antichrist in the Greek, it means anti-belief in the Messiah. There is no Messiah. This is the opposite of Him. Which you have heard is coming and even now already is in the world. So they're looking for answers. They're looking for somebody to give them direction. Listen to me. 
People are looking for answers. They'll grasp at anything. That when everything is stripped away, you begin to grasp at anything. People turn to whatever they can. For years, they have turned, they've drove past our churches. They drove past our signs and said, they're fake in there. They're not real. They suck. And they'll go get a bottle or they'll go get a prescription pill or they'll go make a phone call to a psychic hotline. Why? Jesus said, I did not come for the world. I came for the sick. He said, I come for the well. I came for the sick. Listen, lost people are not thinking about it. Folks, I want to start a hotline when we get a new building for the lost. Does your world stink? Call us. We, we own the website. There's got to be more.org. There's got to be more than dead religion. Are you awake so far? I want people to be able to call the summit and we can say, we'll help you. We're here for you. Our church can be a real option in their lives. If we'll commit to have a church that reaches and loves the lost, we'll explode. I'm not talking about the fruitcakes. I believe in the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I pray in the Holy Ghost every single day. But you need to understand, I don't want a fruitcake church. The fruits and nuts are on the West Coast. Sorry. I want to, sorry, Alex walked in here, Mr. California boy, <laughs> director of our school. We needed a fruit and nut to lead our school. Here we go. Let's not walk among them as holier than thou, <laughs> linebacker evangelist. Listen, I heard about that the bowling gathering the other night on Tuesday night. Don't forget about core groups tonight, by the way. You need to be in there. That's an incredible time of fellowship. And, well, I just hadn't connected at the summit. Well, go to a core group. Go to somebody's house. The other night at the bowling alley, I know for a fact, one of our guys here in the church sent me an email and said, man, I had four couples there, or four people that were unbelievers, but they had a blast going bowling. It's lifestyle relationships. Somebody say amen. Listen, we are open to the outpouring of the Spirit, but I also believe in using wisdom. Where's our prison ministry summit? Where's our shut-in ministry summit? Where's our nursing home ministry summit? Where's our businessmen's ministry, our divorce recovery, our prostitute ministry, our pregnant teenage girl ministry? Where's our deliverance ministry? Where's our foods ministry? Where's our addiction ministry? We haven't figured this thing out. We've been going a year and five months and we still haven't figured this thing out. But we're going to take one step at a time and it starts by a real knowledge and understanding people are lost. Rendered useless. Thrown away. What do you mean? I want to have the glowing reputation that if you're lost, they will not judge you. They will love you. We can have our prayer meetings on Monday night and they're powerful. But can I tell you, they're not touching the lost. They're for us to grow and put our armor back on. They're not touching the lost. Those AOL cards are. Standing on the street corner, somebody told me the other day, I saw somebody holding a sign that says, we love you from the summit. We call it human billboards. AOL, passing it out. Let me wrap this up. The lost will turn to their friends for directions. Who's the first person you turn to in a crisis? It's proven. Mom and dad? Brother and sister? Pastor? Oh, sure. They're going to call me, right? Nope. My Sunday school teacher? Nope. They're going to turn to a friend. That's right. People will go to the neighborhood before they'll go to a family member. It's the truth. Proverbs 27, 7, uh, 27 verse 10 says this. Don't forsake your friends and the friend of your father. And do not go to your brother's house when disaster strikes you. Better a neighbor nearby than a brother far away. You know what the Bible says right there? Go next door. Talk to that guy before you go talk to your brother. Jesus said, I call you friend, not servants. We always run to our friends. And when they're in trouble, we want to be 
They're neighbors, folks. I want to help the people that live next door to me. You've got to be friendly to everyone. Because you never know when they'll come to you. We must be that smiling face. We exist to love people. Watch, watch, I'm hurrying. How many of you know that when you're lost, directions always seem confusing? And the church has helped that. We say things that make... Open to the epistle of Ephesus. Huh? Yes. Now, when I was in college, they gave us a test when we first went in and said, you know, fill out what you know. <laughs> that was a short test. And I had to fill out what I knew and they put epistle. I went, the apostle's wife. Right? Instead of, we, we, we don't explain things. I love what my brother told me one day, and, and there's not very many things I like that he says, but um, Scott said to me one day, he said, he said, he said, you know, when you preach on Sunday morning, preach as if everyone in there is an unbeliever. He said, say things and explain things. It may get on your nerves that we explain things sometimes, but sometimes we forget and we need to be reminded to do it. Why do we raise our hands? Just because. We like to. Tauda. Hebrew, the word, means to raise your hands before the Lord. It's a part of worship. But we don't explain that, do we? But I'm reminded of how many times I've said things that made no sense. Open to the book of Ephesians. Open to the letter that was written at Corinth. Ah! Instead of stopping and explaining that and saying, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, here's the deal on that right there. Yeah, um... Uh, Ephesians, yeah, I need to open Ephesians. Turn Ephesians. Uh, what if we said, let's turn to a letter that was written by a guy named Paul who wrote a group of people that lived in a town by the name of Ephesus trying to give them direction. Wouldn't that be a little better than open to the epistle of Ephesians? Listen, you know what I found out? We say stuff so wrong. You're going to give a testimony today. What's that? Can I fail? Seriously, can I fail? I mean, what, what is it? Uh, no. Or, or we say, the anointing of God is here. Cool, where's that at? <laughs> can I touch it? I do it! I'm the worst! I've been raised in this thing! Or, or, we, or we say things like, the enemy is coming. Dude, where's he at? I got some of this. Bring him. Come on. Bring it! The enemy is at the door today. The old devil's in the sound system. Can you see some lost guy walking back there just starting to kick the sound system? I got him! Just gets on the soundboard. Get out of there, devil! But we've said things like that for years. And there's a generation coming up that literally knows nothing. And what I want to say to you is we better give our directions correctly. I don't know about you. When anybody's ever given me directions, they act like I already know. Oh, yeah, yeah. Just go down here take a left. There's a lady sitting on the front porch eating a chicken bone. If you Welcome to Alabama. Then take a right just over there. Yeah, you'll see a fellow out there beating his wife right there. And then if you'll turn left right up here and you're going, huh? Folks, if we give directions, can we please, even me, God's on me about this. Let's be slow about our directions. And sometimes when Jesus healed, they didn't even know who healed them. Sometimes we forget what it's like to be without direction. And I'll close with this. The lost are waiting on mercy to help them. Look at John chapter 5 and we'll close with this story. John chapter 5. The lost 
are waiting on mercy to help them. This story right here represents all of Israel. Israel was under the law. John chapter 5. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for a feast of the Jews. And now there's in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate. Everybody say Sheep Gate. A, a pool which in the Aramaic is called Bethesda. By the way, that word means pool of mercy. And which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. And here a great number of disabled people used to lie. The blind, the lame, the paralyzed. This is the description of America. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. Interesting about that 38 years is here's Israel. This represented Israel and where they were at spiritually. How many of you know that Israel was in bondage for 38 years after receiving the law at Mount Sinai? Hold on. Look at me. Israel itself, we know, was in bondage and wilderness for 38 years after Mount Sinai. Here's a man who's blind, crippled, and lame. Watch. Or people that are blind, crippled, and lame. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, You want to get real? Do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else walks down ahead of me. Now, if you were to read this scripture in the King James Version and not the NIV, verse 4 actually talks about the angel used to come and stir the water. I don't know why the NIV left that out. I found that in my study this week. It actually bothered me. Then Jesus said to him, Get up, pick up your mat, and walk. At once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked, and the day in which this took place was on Sunday. Or Saturday in the Jewish, the Sabbath. And so the Jews said to the man who had been healed, It is the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. Hey Jesus, can you just freeze right there with those lost people on your shoulders? But he replied, The man who made me well said to me, Pick up your mat and walk. They asked him, Who, who did this? Who told you to pick up your mat and walk? And the man who was healed had no idea who it was. For Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Later, Jesus found him at the temple and said, Hey, look here, fella. See, you're you're well again. Stop sinning or something else worse may happen to you. The man went away and he told the Jews, Hey, it was Jesus that made me well. Stop. Look at me for a second. Turn that down just a hair, Matt. I want you to get this as we close. Jesus was on his way to a feast. Most likely it was the Feast of Pentecost, which took place 50 days after the Passover feast, the Feast of Pentecost, of course, meant that the harvest had been brought in. Now, we think of Pentecost as Acts chapter 2, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit being filled. Jesus is on His way. Apparently, He was just oh, He went to the feast. And then in Jerusalem, the Bible says there was a pool by the Sheep Gate. And the place is called Bethesda, House of Mercy or Flowing Water. And the Bible says there were five gates. Now follow me for a second. Stop. Let me just take you back really quick to the Old Testament. Because in Nehemiah chapter 3, it talks about ten gates. Right, Jody? And these ten surrounding gates of the city, we know in Nehemiah, Nehemiah assigned different portions and different tribes and different people to rebuild those gates. Right? Everybody knows that, right? But just imagine it real small. Let's put it in as if it was on a table somewhere. You'd see these ten gates 
The first gate being the sheep gate, and then the tenth gate, does anybody know what it was? It was called Mifkad gate, which meant the judgment. Because once Christ goes full circle, there had to be a place of judgment. And what's amazing is, we know that the jewelers, I believe, and the goldsmiths are the ones that attach the gates of of the sheep to the gate of judgment. I'm, I'm going somewhere. Stay with me. So in other words, it made a giant circle. The sheep gate, the one that Jesus told to walk, walk through, the one that Jesus decided to walk through, was the gate in which the sacrificial lambs walked through. You're not getting this just yet. Next to the judgment seat. So here's a man laying there for 38 years. We know Israel was in bondage for 38 years in the wilderness. Under the law. This man was under the law. He's laying around with a bunch of blind, crippled, lame people, withering people. The Bible even says impotent people, which means rendered useless. Wait a minute. That's the same term for lost. Rendered useless. Jesus walks in. Not only is it a description of Israel, but it is a description of the lost today. Follow me. The Bible says he chose to walk, not through the judgment gate, but through the gate where all of the sacrifices had flowed through the sheep gate. And as he walks through the sheep gate, how many of you know he is the lamb that was led to the slaughter? He walks up to a pool called Bethesda, which is known as the pool of mercy. He sees a man laying there who's been laying there for 38 years under the law, waiting on somebody to help him in. And Jesus looks down at him. The sacrificial lamb looks down at him and says, Do you want to get well? And what did the man do? Yeah, but who's going to help me? The church is too busy having church. And Jesus says, you don't even know who just asked you this, boy. Get up, take up your mat, take what's been carrying you, and you start carrying it as a testimony, and go forward. Now, who got mad? Everybody sitting in church got mad that day because it disrupted their service. The religious got mad. They walk up to him and said, who do you think you are carrying your mat? He said, some fella touched me. I don't know who it is, but for 38 years, I've been making excuses. For 38 years, I've been sleeping in on Sunday morning. And all of a sudden... Jesus walks up to him and says, Psst, Come here, stupid. I touched you. The Lamb. The Messiah. Oh, cool. Okay, I got this. Hey, Pharisees, come here. It was Jesus. Love it. I'm done. The Bible says it was blind. Lame. Do you want to get well? Yeah, but how? Come to my church. Give excuses. The people at the pool were laying there powerless and no one had ever walked through the sheep gate until a Savior did. And helped him. What's so intrinsic and what's so cool about this? Stand with me. This is a description of the lost generation. Jesus, it's my turn. God told me, start a church in Birmingham. Really? (laughs) Told Sean. Told Karen. Told Enid. Told Jody. 
But God, we're having so much fun preaching and getting them saved and not having to disciple them. Please don't make me do that. Oh, hey, Jesus, can you grab the bass there? Let's put it up here. We're so busy. Oh, I don't feel like going to church today. And I just, man, get my armor back on. I don't blame you. Now, I'm going to offend somebody when I say this, but I'm good with it. Last year I was on the road. I got it, Jesus. Last year I was on the road. We had to drive 45 minutes to go to church. And then God went and messed me up and made me start hurting for my neighbors. You want to get well? Yeah, but... Right down the street here, there's people that have been making excuses for 38 years. Times of repentance. Times of salvations. Blessings come. You know why churches aren't blessed anymore? Nobody gets saved. If i got to look at the same people every week, I am done with this. So nobody gets lost on purpose. The lost means valuable. The lost won't ask a stranger for directions. They turn to their friends for directions. And they're waiting on mercy to be at their feet. Jesus taught us how to win the lost in that one passage. What did He do? He walked not through the judgment gate, but He walked through the mercy gate. Right? I bet old Nehemiah never knew when they were building those ten gates that someday King of Kings would go walking through the first one he built. By the way, if you look through the judgment gate, you can see a hill called Golgotha. It was a place where he died for me. Lift your hands across this place or shut your eyes, whatever you want to do. Amen. Sing grace, how sweet that saved. You know who's in this room? A whole bunch of garments. That's right. I was, was. on this 
been there 10,000 years. I wish somebody just worshiped the Lord for a moment. When we been there 10,000 years, bright shining as, as the sun. Come on, church. across this room. You see, before He's going to give us the lost, we got to do those three things. Do I want the lost? Am I willing to walk in holiness? And praying for your mama. Do I want the lost? Will I walk in holiness? And then number three, am I even excited about being a believer? I believe God can do those three things this morning. And then... We're going to pray for these right here. Man, because we're going to see these people get saved. Karen, your sister's on here. Did you put her on there too? She's on there twice then. Because she's my thorn. Because I haven't been able to lead her to Christ yet. My brother-in-law's on here. All over this house, would you do something for me? I hate it when pastors say that. It ain't about him. Would you get out of your chairs and walk down front and stand as a body of Christ this Sunday morning? I didn't make you do it last Sunday. Come as close as you can. Come on, close. Come on, church. I know this may be... If you're new, you don't have to come. I know this may be even awkward, but we do this on Sunday morning just for a moment so there's no awkwardness. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Push those chairs out of the way for me, Gene. You guys push those back. I want to get everybody up close. Who we see is praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God, praise God. It's what we're going to all be doing within a twinkling of an eye. But what does that mean? A second of a second. God could come and invade our world. And I'm out of here. But it ain't time yet. You know why? It ain't time yet. You know why Muslims are exploding? Teach their kids to take back the world. You know why Christianity's going down? Because we teach our kids somebody's coming to get us out of this world. We got to get our kids thinking about taking back the world. You know why men have quit going to church? Because we forgot to tell them to be warriors. Right, Randy? Man's got to get on the wall. Where's Fred at? I was preaching somewhere here a while back and you text me. Oh, Venezuela. You text me and said, I'm on the wall for you. I understood that. Now you write that to a, a woman? I'm on the wall for you. Huh? Where? Where are you, where are you at? No, no, I'm just kidding. That was chauvinistic. 
my wife just gave me a look. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Shut your eyes across this room. Three questions I've got for you this morning. Do you want the lost? Do you? Pray this out loud. Jesus. A little bit louder. Hold on just a second, Pastor. And say it with me, but let's no music, no music. Hold on, team. Jesus. I've been praying for the lost. Then today, will you crush me with a burden for the lost? Let me feel how you feel. I fellowship in your sufferings. Let me feel how you feel about this cross up here. thinking we're fake for too long, man. This is the real deal stuff. Now look at me for a second, if you don't mind. I'm about to ask this question. No one, when we do this, it's private. You know what I'm saying? It's very private. But Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me in public, I'll be ashamed of you before my Father. Every time Jesus gave an altar call, it was public. That's right. So those of you that may go to other churches that don't believe in altar calls, this isn't probably not the place you want to attend because we will do this every Sunday. This is who we are. The altar is the raised platform made of wood, stone, or steel in which something is brought forth to die upon. I have done deep studies on the altar because I believe in it. But right now we're going to get real serious. No music, nothing. Every eye shut. No one is looking around. But if your name should be on this cross up here, this is your moment. To have it written down in a book instead of on that cross. The Bible calls it the Lamb's book of life. Which means his, the Lamb, Jesus, wrote it in a book saying you're going to have eternal life. You're going to live forever if you'll accept Christ. With every eye shut across this room, nobody is looking around. If you say, Pastor... I need Jesus Christ to forgive me of my sins. Maybe you've accepted Him or you've walked away from that relationship side. Maybe you say, you know what? I used to know Him, but I don't really know Him anymore. I'm, I, I don't feel that anymore. Or you say, I've never accepted Him. I don't care if you've prayed to a confession booth. I don't care if you've taken communion or been baptized. I'm asking about relationship to get you to heaven. If you don't have it, every eye shut across this room. If you need Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior... And you say, you know what, I know you were preaching about the lost, but really you were preaching about me. Every eye shut, no one looking around. If that is you, this is the moment heaven has been waiting on. No one's going to embarrass you. Simply, if you need Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, raise your hand now. Thank you, sweetheart. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah. 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 Welcome to what church is supposed to be. Can we pray this together? Jesus. Everybody pray this. Jesus. By the way, there was about eight hands that went up. Jesus. Forgive me. Today. I am the lost. That you came to seek. 
and to save. Forgive me of everything in my life. Change my life. Be my Lord and Savior. You died on the cross. You rose again. And today, you're coming back for me. But on this day, I invite you to be Lord of my life. To fill me with your Spirit. All over the house, raise your hands, church. The Holy Spirit's going to hit some of you. And He may even fill you with the Spirit as described nine times in the book of Acts, 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, with even a language from Him. And right now with your hand raised, say, Jesus, now all of us are ready. We want the lost. We will walk in holiness. Jesus, make me. Give me that excitement about being a believer. Come on, Jesus. Come on, Jesus. Come on, Jesus. Well, y'all do things weird here at the summit. No, we do things real here at the summit. Not weird. This is the last thing I want to do. How many of you are facing some tough things lately? Raise your hand. Come on. Let's keep the hand up. When the Bible says... The just shall live by faith. It literally means to be connected like a... We read it earlier out of Romans 1. Like a uh, IV. Get your hand back up. With your hand raised. I believe... You know, you see in the old... Uh, I think it's Da Vinci or... or not Da Vinci. Uh, Michelangelo. Picture of God and man in the hand. Touching. It's, it's bigger than that. Angel, Michelangelo didn't know what he's talking about. It's... He grabs this and goes, I gotta find a vein, a rolling vein. And he reaches up and he begins to flow down through you with your hand raised. Say, Jesus, flow through me. Thank you for listening. We pray that this word would sit in your spirit and transform you. For more information or to become a covenant partner with Mercy Seat Ministries and Evangelist Pat Karen Chatsline, you can log on to www.mercyseatministries.com.